All right, y'all, before we dive into this episode, and man, was it a great episode. We had two friends, two new friends on the podcast, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, the great guys, great guys. Well, and gal. And gal, sorry. Great guy and gal. You're using gal gender neutrally. Exactly, yes. You're appropriating guy culture. I always do that. <laughs> anyway, um, we had Lewis Howells on here, whose new book just came out. It's called The Mask of Masculinity. But then we also had the very talented musician, Rayleigh Nicole. She performed a song during our added value segment. And man, was was it great. God, that was, yeah, it was awesome. We, we just finished up an event. Uh, we're, we've been on tour. We did a tour stop here in Dayton, Ohio. And I just got to say, thank you, Dayton. It was, it's, we've done four or five tour stops over the years in our hometown, Dayton, Ohio. And man, it was it was truly amazing, and there must have been a thousand people that showed up. I I, I just you know they say you can't be a prophet in your own town. Bullshit. <laughs> Wait a we, we had to leave the town though. <laughs> oh yeah, that is true. We did have to leave our leave the town. Yeah, no, yeah. it was it was an unbelievable turnout. I I, uh, I was floored with um with how many people showed up. I yeah, Dayton, we love you so much. Man, I, I was thinking like people always ask me like how how why. Do you love Dayton, Ohio so much? And I can tell them things like it's an unassuming city or it's really blue collar or it's not pretentious at all. And those things are true, but this sort of approximates why I love it. Every time I come here, we're actually, we're in a recording studio right now in Dayton, Ohio. And every time I come here, I just, it gives me that emotion that I feel in only a handful of, of cities that I've ever been to. And every time I come back, I, it's like a magnet. It, it draws me back in. And it just feels so good to have our hometown all show up. People from all of Ohio were here, Indiana, Kentucky, Michigan, Pennsylvania, people from all over the Midwest came. And, and just thank you so much. Speaking of being on tour, uh, we just announced the Australia and New Zealand tour. Oh, put a shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> you got to stop saying that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, so um, yeah, we're coming. You can just go to theminimalists.com. You can find all of our tour dates there. We're also, uh, we still have a bunch of cities left in the U.S. this year. We're going to be in Texas. We have a, uh, three stops there, including a charity stop for Houston to help out with the flood relief efforts and the rebuilding there in Houston. We're going to be in Tennessee, Washington, D.C., Georgia, Florida, Michigan, and Wisconsin. A few of those are already sold out. Uh, most of them are really close to selling out. Just head on over to theminimalist.com to get your tickets. Oh, and by the way, it's not on our tour page yet, but coming really soon, we're getting ready to announce this Las Vegas date. Mm. Huge tragedy just happened in Las Vegas. We want to help out the Victims Fund there, so 100% of the profits. It's going to be uh, January 14th at the House of, House of Blues in Las Vegas. The details will be on our website. If you want to be the first to know, just sign up for our email list over at theminimalist.com. You'll get all our new essays, our show notes to all of our podcasts, but also any new events and news from The Minimalist. Actually, the very first people to know will be our Patreon supporters. You'll have access to the pre-sale tickets before they go on sale to the public. All right, Ryan, I think that's it. Maybe we should turn them over to this episode. Unleash the episode. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Welcome to the House of Blues in San Diego, California. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. And this is a special edition of the podcast because we are bringing a good friend of ours out here and someone who, I, I just, I think he's, he's a great person. He's really inspirational. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll give you the full intro when he gets out here. Ladies and gentlemen, Lewis Howes is here tonight. All right, now, it's not just because he's a fellow Ohioan, and he now lives out, out here in California. He, uh, so he wrote a great book called The School of Greatness. He runs a podcast by that same name, The School of Greatness. If you're not familiar with it, you should be, because he interviews just some really amazing people, and um, you've got a new book coming out. In fact, when this podcast comes out, 
Uh, we're going to wait until October, Halloween, to put this podcast out because uh, Lewis has a new book called The Mask of Masculinity that's coming out. Can you talk a little bit about what inspired you to, to, to put that out there? They're clapping about the book. Oh, you got to flip it up. They're clapping. All right. Uh, what inspired me to bring it out? The yeah, book. so, so uh, I'll just give you a little bit of backstory. Uh, my partner Rebecca and I were having lunch with Lewis uh, last month, and uh, the thing that was that was that really stood out to me about the book is it wasn't just like a book for dudes about masculinity, right? It, it was it was almost like a, a guide, an everyday guide into the male psyche a little bit. It was almost like a recipe book for to help, better help women, because I, I, I know that. Rebecca, she was sitting there with you, and like the light bulb was going off, like, oh, so I can better understand the, these sort of masks that men wear. That's it. I think uh, it's a book for men, but I think actually 90% of the readers are going to be women, <laughs> because we break down a number of the different masks that men wear, why they wear it, and how you can get them to take it off without making them wrong. Mm. Right. So, so talk to me about one of the masks. Like, what, what's one that stands out to the a lot Joker of mask? Okay. The guy who always has to lead with humor, always makes a joke in any situation, when, even when he's not supposed to make a joke, right? And uh, can never really just connect uh-huh. and just allow for a moment of whatever happening besides humor. And and, and so what, what's what's the reason that we, we put on these masks? Uh, usually some type of pain, trauma, bullying, uh, disconnection. It's a defense mechanism. Each one is a defense mechanism to achieve some type of greater masculinity, to mm. prove our manhood, that we're worthy men yeah. in the world, and essentially to say that we're worthy of love. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And, and so speaking of pain or trauma, you, you've gone through some stuff in, in your own life, you know, back in Ohio. We all have like these sort of inciting uh, Events, or they could be tragedies like with my mother dying and my marriage ending, or it can just be like Ryan and he was like, "Why the hell is my friend so happy and he's not supposed to be right?" And and we we have these inciting incidents. For for you, um, it was a little bit different. Can you talk about about um, well, you spent some time on a couch. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was. Let's, I used let's to talk bl- about how you got onto. This that is couch. the 10th year anniversary of me uh, losing my dream and starting a new life. And I used to play arena football, which it was never good enough to play in the NFL. But I still got paid $250 a week to play football. So I call myself a former professional athlete because I did get paid. Uh, and I got injured. I broke my wrist. I was diving into a wall, arena football. I dove into a wall and broke my wrist. And um, that was in the second game of the season. And then for the next 14 games, I played with a broken wrist. At the end, I had to have surgery. They took a bone out of my hip, put it into my wrist. And so I was in a cast for six months like this, like the kid from the movie Rookie of the Year. Did you ever see that? <laughs> Although I didn't have superhuman strength and threw a 100-mile-hour fastball when I got the cast off, I could barely move my arm for mm. the next year. So I was sleeping on my sister's couch, trying to recover and figure out, you know, who am I, number one, because I lost my dream. What am I going to do next? How am I going to make money? Everything about my identity was shattered. Mm. Now, I still lived in America, you know, had a family and, you know, had a place to live. So it wasn't like I was starving. But essentially, everything I thought I knew, I didn't know anymore. And so I had to figure out what's the next steps for me. What's the next moves? And that was 10 years ago. Well, I, I think that I think that we all we all get to this point and we realize like, you know what, I, I need to I need to turn this around. Um, and, or or the other thing can happen. Quite often we spiral in the other direction. You know, I, I think it would have been really easy easy for me when when my mom died and, and the marriage ended. Like it's like getting into two car crashes at the same exact time. And it would have been easy for me to just like to spiral downward and and. Or you, you, can, you can learn from that car crash, and I think you can, you can sort of move forward. So, so 10 years ago, you decided to move forward. Can you talk a little bit about how, how that happened? It started with mentors. I just said, I need to, how can I translate what I knew from the sports world into real world, into life? Because sports are not lives. But I said, how can I translate those principles? And right away, I just said, I need to find a mentor, a coach, someone who can teach me because that's the only way I learned sports. It's through a coaches. Right. Uh, so I started seeking out local mentors in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I was living, uh, through LinkedIn. 
my one mentor said, why don't you get on LinkedIn, see if you can find some opportunities. So I spent all my days on LinkedIn connecting with influencers in the community mm. and asking them if they would take me out to lunch because I couldn't pay for their lunch. Wow. Yeah. And uh, this is one of the reasons why today, whenever I go out to eat, I think you're with me. I mean, I don't let anyone pay for my meals, even if there's 10 of us. Yeah. I feel like I have to pay for everyone because for a couple of years, I couldn't pay for lunch. And I always felt so embarrassed that I could not pay my own meal. Yeah, do, you, do you feel like you're paying it forward now? I do, yeah. Pay, well, paying it back and right. paying it forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, well, I, I, mean guess, I spent a lot of money on lunches. Well, <laughs> you, you know what's interesting is someone asked me the other day, I, I was talking to someone, let them know that, that Lewis was going to be here. And, and uh, when I described who he is, I said, he is a professional mentee. And, and, and what I mean by that is, like, I th- you are so good at learning from other people. You are constantly asking questions and, and never afraid to ask questions, man. And I, I know that most people get, get stuck by that. They get paralyzed because they feel like, well, if I don't ask the question in, in, the, in the exact right way or if I don't frame this correctly, I'm going to offend someone. And, and with you, somehow you, you were able to get over that. And... and you're constantly asking questions. I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm asking questions of you and I'm learning how to better ask questions every time I, I spend some time with you because you're always asking questions and, and you're always just like searching. And, and in a way, it reminds me of that, that childlike curiosity. You know, I've got a four-year-old and she's constantly asking questions and she couldn't care less what I thought about her questions, right? She's constantly asking why and how and, and where and... and, and I see the same thing with people who are constantly growing. And so how do you get to that point where you're comfortable with, with asking questions? Because I feel like you're just always learning something. My dreams are the most important thing in my life. And the only way to achieve my dreams are for me to grow. The only way for me to grow are to do the most uncomfortable things in the world for myself. The only way to know what those uncomfortable things are are to listen and ask the right questions. Yeah, definitely. And I think the, the, especially in this culture, you know, we are so comfortable. Um, we, we, have, we have all the comforts. No matter, I mean, even when I was growing up really poor on, on, on food stamps and government assistance, like it was, you know, we still had assistance there in a way, right? And we, we had at least a lot of basic comforts. And we, we get, we fall to this place of complacency. And I found it especially when I was in the corporate world. And Ryan, I know you experience this too. When you get to this point where you're not really contented by the life that you're living, but you're too comfortable to do anything about it. And I think sometimes we just have to force ourselves into that discomfort so that we can give ourselves the opportunity to, to grow, to change, to be you know, the version of ourselves that we want to be. So I'd love to answer some questions here tonight. We've got a microphone here in the middle. And, um, oh, by the way, we've got, we've got someone filming some stuff here. Any of y'all see our documentary? Yeah. So yeah. our director, Matt Diavella, ladies and gentlemen. We certainly could have not made that film without him. He is, I mean, he's exceptionally talented. You can check him out. Uh, he has a bunch of web series and stuff online as well. It was his first feature film. We're filming some stuff now. I don't really know how it's all going to pan out. We're, we're working on uh, a special and some shows and all kinds of stuff. Um, tr- trying to get this message out there visually in, in different ways. I got, but, I got a question for the audience. Yeah, for sure. How many of you heard about these guys before the documentary, or, or excuse me, how many of you did not hear about them until you saw the documentary? Raise your hand if you didn't know who they were until the Netflix documentary. Nice. It's about like half the room. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's really been a way for us to spread the message. You know, what we're doing now is all these different vehicles. So, so we started, like Ryan said earlier, we started a blog and. Uh, December of 2010 and like that was a vehicle and then people started asking us like about writing books and then we started using social media and then we started a podcast and then a documentary and we're, we're always looking for the, the right vehicle to communicate a message sometimes it's visual sometimes it's written sometimes it's a live event I mean you can't really replicate this even listening on, on a podcast later you can't get the same thing that you would at coming to a live event you know we 
we do dozens or I guess hundreds of hugs after the, the event in a case like this. And so, yeah, you can stick around afterward for that. But, uh, oh yeah, uh, check Matt Diavel out. He's got uh, a great YouTube channel with a bunch of uh, uh, features, uh, like little, like mini, mini documentaries, stuff like that. It's just uh, mattdiavella.com. Um, I guess no one has any questions. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. You got to walk up to the microphone. Howdy. Hi. What's your name? My name's Kristen. Kristen, where are you from? from Santa Barbara, but I've lived in San Diego for about eight years now. Awesome. So, Welcome. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, you and I are kindred spirits because I still drive my 2003 Toyota Corolla. Nice. Car I got when I was 16, only car I'd ever owned. So. Well, his is yeah. much fancier. We almost <laughs> put the same outfit on, too. That's awesome. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, so I have a question. I've met a lot of people who are very anxious to get started with the minimalism part because of the giving away things. So what would you guys suggest as a first step for somebody who is isn't quite ready to start parting with things that they feel anxious about parting with, but can still make steps toward eventually getting there. Is this a asking for a friend question? <laughs> no, I'm actually, my husband's really happy that I found you guys because I've gotten rid of a lot of stuff. That's so <laughs> he's so, like, he's thought I've a hoarder, I've been a hoarder for a long time. So, oh, wow. so what, what kind of problems? Like when you say problems, what, what if they have, if they're having issues with letting go, yeah. um, I, I think. I think I'd have to understand what the actual issue is with that person first. Um, probably just the idea that if they um, let go, like if they start giving away things that they're either going to regret letting go of some of the stuff that they gave away or that the whole process of just parting with items is scary um, and they don't know what to part with and what to keep. Like they might be really, I don't know, unsure of what they really want in their lives and they don't want. So what's sure. not important to them? Josh, <laughs> you know, I uh, to the first like snag I ran into when I was um, getting rid of stuff like the, the whole the whole idea of the packing party was so appealing to me because I felt like worst case scenario, I could just unpack everything and put it all back if I really, really wanted to. Now, a packing party for most people is going to be a little bit. Uh, too extreme, especially if you got like, you know, a family of six, you know, you can't just pack up everyone's stuff. We certainly don't recommend that you do anything with anyone else's stuff. Uh, it's funny, we had a, a gentleman in Atlanta bring his daughter and he had a question and he was like, I got a question. Can you please explain to my daughter uh, why it was good that I got rid of all her stuff? <laughs> we were like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should not have done that. Um, stick to your own stuff. But, uh, but when I was um, going through my stuff after the packing party, you know, first I remember uh, making that decision to uh, donate or sell some of the stuff. Like, I was thinking, like, if I'm not going to get value out of this, maybe someone else can. And some other stuff I was holding on to just because I had this, like, perceived value. Like, oh, man, this is worth X amount of dollars. Um, so I was like, great, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I don't use it anymore. So now I'm going to, you know, get that value out of it. And now, you know, the order that especially technology gets, the, the less I would be able to get out of it. But I remember um, inviting Josh over to um, just kind of help, help me go through stuff. And I remember at one point, like I look over and he's got, you know, big 50 gallon black trash bag and he's just like sweeping <laughs> coffee cups into it. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, I was like, I, I drink coffee. And he's like, yeah, but you've got like 30 cups. like. What, what, how, do you dirty 30 coffee cups? Like, that's a lot of dishes to do. Actually, it was 40. <laughs> Just counting. And I'm like, no, man. Like, what if one of those breaks and, you know, and then another 29 of them break? <laughs> you know, I've got backups to the backups. And, uh, and, and, you know, it was very hard for me to, like, just let, even, like, coffee cups. And then the first thing that, uh, that really stood out to me was... Um, uh, like the first rule that I made for myself, Josh was like, he picks up this coffee mug and it's like, you know, it says like world's number one granddad on it or something. I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, when's the last time you used this cup? And I was like, I couldn't even tell you. And I remember thinking right there, I'm like, okay, like I haven't even used that in the last year. I'm probably not going to use that in the next year. Um, I feel good about getting rid of that coffee cup, but I took that approach with a lot of the other stuff too. I, I had to like, create some boundaries for myself. Mm -hmm. And then I remember, um, you know, going through that pile, came across this 
shoebox that had some old like high school memories in it, um, some letters that my mom had written me that really, I just remember getting those letters in high school and like how they made me feel. I mean, just a lot of uh, sentiment and emotion attached with those letters. Um, picture of me in like my you know prom, my junior uh, you know high school prom date. Um, the, the the shot glass they gave us for our gift. <laughs> Given high school, high school. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, high school shot glasses. Like I'm, I'm laughing because I'm a therapist, and I had a client ask me if she could see my prom picture before she showed me her prom picture. Oh, wow. And so it's funny because I actually needed it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I was sitting there, and I'm like faced with all this stuff, and I was like, "Well, dude, you got to get rid of this stuff. You're minimalist now. Like, there is no sense in holding on to these memories." So I like take the shoebox and I'm like trying to, you know, throw it in the trash and I'm just like, oh, like I cannot, I can't do it. So um, I bargained with myself and I was like, all right, I'm just going to choose like one thing out of this box. I'm going to let it go and see what happens, see how I feel the next day. So I took a letter that my mom had written me and I, I read it. And what's really weird is like before I read the letter, I remember how it made me feel when I was in high school, but after like reading it, which I hadn't read it in years, it did not. It evoked a completely different emotion. So like the memory of it was better than like actually reading the letter again. So that was kind of like you know one light bulb that went off, and then um, I just I took a picture of it uh, with my camera phone. So I guess technically I still you know have it in the cloud somewhere, um, but I took the letter, I put it in the trash. And I was like, all right, if I wake up, you know, if I wake up tomorrow, I'm like, man, I really didn't sleep well last night. I was thinking about throwing that thing away. Um, I could just go to the trash and pull it out. And I didn't even, even think about it until I was like taken out of the trash the next night or the, even the evening after that. Um, the letter was sitting there on top of the trash. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, that letter. And that is when I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go through this box. And I did take... Um, uh, like a couple photos of things, but for all intents and purposes, like I, I got rid of everything that was in that in that shoebox. Um, what I'm trying to get at is, whoever is is struggling with letting go for whatever reason it is, they've got to start somewhere. They have to start with letting go of something. And the reason why, and it's just something really really small, but the reason why that's so important is because, you know, a you've got to build momentum. I mean, I'm sure you can speak to You got to build momentum somehow to, to, to keep going. Um, and the other thing, too, is they've got to realize that letting go is not nearly as hard as, as they think it is. So for, for your friend or your friend of a friend, whoever it is um, that is, is you know, um, stuck with that letting go part, uh, I would say, like, the first action to take is to just at least like just start with one thing and, and see how it feels and get some kind of momentum built. Now, if you've got like a friend who's a monk and they, and they have nothing, <laughs> then I mean, I'm not gonna, don't tell them to throw away their sandals, you yeah. know, like yeah. at the end of the day, like you really have to have a really good reason why. Uh, and you know, that's, Josh said that in his talk earlier, he's, that's where it started for him was asking that question of how might my life be better with less? And getting the leverage there, that is what will absolutely help them take that first step. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. All right, it's time for us. We're, we're, we're going to get to your question, don't worry. Uh, we're going to move on to, well, Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round. Yes, indeed. This is where we, uh, we usually answer questions from social media. We're on the Twitters and the Facebooks, and uh, where else are we? Instagram, right? Yik yak. Uh, you, you saw Jessica Williams here earlier. Uh, she handles all of our social media, and uh, she also does the merch booth and all that other fun stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Williams, thank you. And uh, so we usually like answer with a really short, shareable, less than 140 character response to people. But it's a lot harder to do. But we're going to have a little battle. And we're going to rope Lewis Howes into this tonight. And so I'm going to try to give you a pithy answer to whatever your question is. But I'll maunder on a bit first. So you'll get a longer answer and we'll get down to it. So your question doesn't have to be lightning. But I'll do my best to come up with something that's digestible that you can share. Hi. What's your name? I'm, I'm Liz. Hey, Liz. Hey, Liz. Where are you from? 
I live here in San Diego. Awesome. Welcome. Thanks. Actually, this question is uh, just for you. Okay. <laughs> um, in the recent family podcast that just aired, uh, Josh, you mentioned that you didn't expect to become a parent. Yeah. Yet you dove in head first when you met Rebecca and Ella. Right. So I'm wondering if you could share a little about your process before your feet left the diving board. Oh yes. So so. Characters. Yeah, I, yeah I'll, I'll get there. I'll I'll wander on a bit and I'll do some editing and we'll we'll get to it. And then I will I will I will posit your question to them as well a little bit differently so we can get something that is tweetable for both of them. Um, so so. I think sometimes. Uh, you, you enter a, a situation you didn't expect to enter. And, and when you, so with me, I, I met Re Rebecca a few years ago. She had, she had a one-year-old daughter at the time uh, from a marriage that had recently ended. And uh, we met because Ella was flirting with me at the grocery store. <laughs> and, um, and, and it's not that I, it's not that I just didn't expect to not to, to have kids. I I knew like emphatically that wasn't a direction I wanted to go, and so you can imagine my shock at this point, right? Um, but so so here's um, here here's the lesson that I learned from it. So here's here's my tweetable answer to you, and I'll see if I can expand on it. Um, in order to live the best life, we have to be prepared to change our mind. That's tweetable. By the way, you're the judge of this, right? And, and so if, if I were to expand on that at all, I would just say that when I met Rebecca, I realized what the circumstance was. And I, you, have, you sort of have a fork in the road. I, I can ignore the fact that she has a kid and, and, and see how well that's going to work for a month or two. Um, or, or I could walk away from it. Or three, I, I, could, I can jump in and embrace it. And also be, be really open and upfront about, you know what? I don't know whether or not this is going to work, and I want, I want you to know that, but I'm willing to give it a try. And if I'm going to give it a try, man, I'm not just going to dip one toe in. I'm going to dive all the way in. And so, so if I were to ask these guys the, the same question or a similar question, I would just say, have you ever, have you, have you ever, is there anything you've ever thought one way about that you've changed your mind and, and it's changed your life for the better? <laughs> he said he turned to me before and said we'll let you go I, you last I was just, so I'm like why are you looking at me <laughs> I'm just going to ask you like can I go last no um, I mean yeah certainly that, that has happened uh, golly I guess I guess just thinking about the whole journey to this um, like never did I think I would be willing to have a life off a of barista's salary um, I mean, that was really where this whole thing started. Like Josh and I, I was like, we were just in this corporate madness and like we talked about like, okay, maybe one day we can open up a coffee shop. Like maybe we could do that. But you know, before that we would have to be uh, baristas and like actually know how to make coffee. <laughs> so, um, my whole, the whole idea I had was, is all right, I'm going to pay off, you know, as much debt as I can. I'm going to, um, you know, get rid of these crazy debt payments that I have. Uh, sold my my car and um, got rid got rid of my home, and yeah, I got to the point where like I could, and I still could. I mean, I'd probably have to move apartments, um, but I don't I don't have a lease. Like I could turn my life on a on a dime right now and still live off a of barista salary if I absolutely had to. Like I am, I just became debt free for the first time like just uh, last year. Yeah, it was last year. Thanks. Yeah. It's the best feeling in the world. It is, I mean, that is like, for me, that's true freedom. It's not being able to go out and take a, you know, 30-year mortgage or to, you know, go out and rack up a bunch of student loans. Like, that is, that is not freedom to me anymore. So, I certainly have had those, those things change. Um, God, I was really hoping I'd come up with something tweetable by this point. I guess what I, I, guess what I would say, and this is just kind of echoes what, what Josh was talking about, um, it's okay to close doors, but don't be afraid to open those back up if life calls for that. Mm. Thanks. Lewis, has there, has there been anything in your life where, where you're like, 
I mean, the first thing that came to my mind, my mind, and especially when someone was mentioned earlier about actually the first question that, that we had when, when the guy was saying, um, she was talking about like knowing when to let go. And I thought like, I can only imagine being a, a professional athlete and, and, um, you, you went through your whole college career knowing that's what you wanted to do, but then there was some point where you had to let go of, of that dream in order to make room for other dreams. Because if that, if that would still be your only dream today, man, your life would be so much different. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I think I was trying to think of like a tweetable as you guys were talking. So. But here's, here's what I think I'm going to go with something. Uh, I used to always focus on... Um, to be successful was really about serving myself, accomplishing my dreams and like um, selfish goals. And then I realized when I let go of that and I started to serve, the, uh, serve others, then it was really more impactful and more meaningful. So I guess when I let go of serving myself to be successful, to serve others, that's when I really started to make a difference. Yes. Nice. Thank you. Howdy. Hi. What's your name? I'm Danielle. Hey, Danielle. Hi. Where are you from? Uh, I live up in Temecula. Nice. About an hour from here. Um, first of all, thank you for taking that leap of faith to put your message out there. I wish you had come around about 20 years earlier. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. Um, everything that remains came into my life at a really critical turning point in my life. I, After reading that book, not solely because of the book, but I left a 20-year career. Um, wow. that I was miserable in, in the end. Um, I was living in Columbus, Ohio at the time. Go Bucks! And yeah. um, I was able to take a year off from my life to figure out me and that those passions, but more importantly, I had a family member who began to fail and I was able to spend time with them during that year um, before they passed. And those are, that time I could never imagine I could ever have the luxury to have that, but I realized my, my friends and family thought I was nuts to leave a job, to stop paying into my 401k, to be living in Columbus, Ohio, um, and many other things, but I, that book gave me permission mm. to not feel guilty and to, um, to just be able to share that love with that person who was so special to me. So. Thank you for that. That's I, I. If you have not read this book, something in it has to resonate with you. And and every time I hear your message, something more resonates with me. So, thank you. Thank you. But my question is. Real quick, by the way, if, if uh, in, yeah, we really do have books over there. But if if you if you uh, if you can't afford one, or if you just forgot your wallet or something, but seriously, if you can't afford one, we'll be happy to buy a copy for you. So if, if you leave here and you want to check it out or any of our books, you're welcome to do that. We'll, we'll buy you one if you, if you can't. That's so cool. Um, speaking of the Leos and the, the Courtney Carvers and you guys, I would love for you all to do a big minimalist event together. That would be awesome. Um, but my question is, as you have started getting rid of your stuff and then you started your blog together, you wrote a book, you started traveling, you're doing events, the films, whatever's next, how do you, as you keep growing and furthering in your lives, how do you keep that simpleness in your minimalism with all of these projects and, and the growth in your life? I think that's the thing I struggle with is wanting to keep everything pared down, but wanting to move forward without adding all the craziness back in. Yeah, so, so how, how, do you, how, how do you maintain a simple life in a complex world? Would be, that's the tweetable question, by the way. Um, Man, so, so um, I know my short answer has to do with busyness. I mean, so, so back, in the, back in the corporate world, like, it, was a, it was a badge of honor, right? I'm busy, busy, busy. Like, someone asked for a meeting, I can't, I'm busy. Or, hey, you got a sec? Nope, I'm busy. Uh, what have you been up to? Oh, man, oh, I've been so busy. <laughs> Right? I mean, and now I hear that word, and it's the worst four-letter word in, in our language. Because busy really just means out of control. So, so if, I ever, if you ever hear me say I'm busy, what it's really saying is my life's out of control. 
And, and I found the way to, to get that back is instead of being busy, find a way to be focused. And the only way to be focused is, is, to, is to make sure that you say no to all of the busy work as much of it as you can and that, you know what and then say no to some of the stuff you can't say no to and just see what happens right because so many of the things that I thought were essential were important in my life when I was 27 don't I, I don't look back at it and say well those were not very important no most of those things were unimportant they were not important at all they were non-essential and so my short answer to you is avoid busy work enjoy focused work Man, um, I, I, I could, I'd walk away from all this right now. I'd get up at the stage and leave. Like, if it really, <laughs> if it's seriously, like, if, if that was going to serve my life better. Um, I mean, Josh and I, we were on tour in uh, 2014. He started to have um, some, some health stuff. And I'm just looking at him. I'm like, dude, let's, I think we were on city number, like, 20 or 30 at that point. We had 70 more cities left. I'm like, dude, do we need to cancel 70 events? Like, I'm totally willing to do that. Um, I guess, man, I've got two short answers kind of rattling around. I guess, like, any, anything that I put on my plate, I can take it off. If I see a hill and I'm like, I'm going to pick up this boulder and I'm going to walk up this hill, like, I know that at any point, if it gets to be too much, like, I pick that boulder up, I can set it down. I made that decision to put it on my plate. I can, I can clear it off there if I want to. And the other thing too is like I really go, well Josh and I, we both go out of our way to focus on one thing a year. So um, you know, 2014 it was the 100 City Tour. 2015 we dedicated that year to giving back. I mean we, uh, we built schools, we, we built wells, um, we helped uh, Joshua Becker uh, build orphanages, we supplied schools in Africa with supplies that they needed. Uh, in 2016, it was all about the documentary, getting out there with it. This year, it's, it's this tour. And um, yeah, we, podca- we have podcasts, and uh, you know, we still write and things, but never do we just like pile it all on at once. And, like if Josh and I, if we started from you know, December 2010 saying, all right, man, we're gonna, I'm going to have a mentoring uh, business. You're going to have a writing class. Oh, we need to do that podcast. We've got to write three books. We have to do that documentary. Oh, also, we've got to plan these uh, eight tours in the next seven years. Like, if that's how we would have approached it, nothing would have gotten done. So um, I think my short answer would be, I'm going to go back to the, the Boulder thing because, like, I, I just think it's so, because there's someone out there right now who's like, Oh man, there's a big passion project I started, and man, I don't, you know, I don't know when I'm ever going to finish that. If that is something that is weighing on that person, then don't do it. Like, well, either do it or don't, but don't stress yourself yourself out over it. So, I guess um, any my short answer would be any boulder that we pick up, any boulder we've made the decision to pick up. Some people just get boulders thrown on them. Any boulder that we've decided to pick up, we can make the decision to put it down. What, what was the exact question again? It's like so. So I mean, when you think about your life in, in terms of like, how, how do you keep things simple? Because I mean, uh, you have this school of greatness empire, and uh, I mean, you you have a staff. You you have I mean. You have a wildly successful podcast. You do the video stuff. You've written books. Uh, you got the website. You, you're on Ellen. I mean, you're doing all this. Well, he's on Ellen. It, it, I, I think it's pretty awesome. Um, and, and so um, you're on Glenn Beck the other day. Isn't that a weird? Like the same week he was on Glenn Beck and Ellen. And uh, it, and what I like about that is it, you're talking about stuff that that resonates with with both audiences, right? It doesn't, it's not political, and it, it, but, but there's a lot going on there. And so how do, you, how do you avoid the complexity? How do you avoid getting bogged down in complexity? I think for me, it starts with my vision. I'm so clear on my vision of what I'm trying to create. And so every few months, my assistant, like when my, when my closet starts to feel full, 
I start to get like an itch. I just want to get rid of everything because I feel like it's too much clutter. So I pretty much wear what these guys wear every single day. I was like, I'm not gonna wear black because that's all I wear and there'll be three guys with black V-necks on. So I wore blue instead, right? So I, I wear like the same shirt, the same type of pants pretty much every single day. And I try to have, you know, they really inspired me to get rid of even more. Because I already thought I was pretty minimalist. You'd been in my place. Yeah. I really don't have many things. Yeah. Um, and I always try to get rid of more and have less. I have a 1991 Cadillac Eldorado that I bought for $4,000 about five years ago. I can buy any car that I want, but I just don't care to have more things. I care to use that to impact more people. And I've got you know all the clothes that I need. I don't need to buy more fancy clothes. I don't wear any watches, any jewelry, because I just don't care. It doesn't add value to my life. If it did, then maybe I would get those things, but I just don't care. So I'm constantly getting rid of all the clutter in my space, my physical space first, so I can have a clear mind and an open heart. And with that, that allows me to have the most energy and the focus to move towards my vision because I have a big vision and, I, and, and a little bit unlike these guys, I put a lot on my plate, <clears throat> a lot of big projects every single year. For me, it's not just about one big thing. It's usually like three, four or five big things a year. In order to do that and, and not be overwhelmed or be out of whack, I have a team that helps manage all these big projects. And I take care of my health and I take care of all the things in my life to the best of my ability, I'm not perfect, to declutter my mind and my heart, the best of my ability. Um, and that's what I try to focus on. When I have a, a clean space and I have a clean mind and I can tackle a powerful vision. Thank you. Awesome, thank you. Nice. Was that 140 characters? Yeah, yeah. It was, exa- it was 139, and then you put a tie a little bow on that, right? Yeah. All right, so we, we do have time for one more. Actually, we don't really, but we're going to squeeze one more in here just uh, for the uh, – see if we can tie it up, everything up here so everyone can leave happy. Um, what's your name? And, Hi. And, and where are you from? I'm Amy. I'm actually visiting from Seattle, so I'm not from oh, awesome. this area. Welcome. Thanks Thank for coming you. down. Yeah, um, thanks for sharing your vision. I So you speak a lot about self-actualization and the human experience. This is very – you strip it down to this raw, um, you just kind of cleanse everything from your life. And I can't help but wondering what, um, when you look at the root of everything and the purpose of that, if there's anything, would you say there's anything inherently spiritual or deeply philosophical about what you do? Um, even watching your documentary, I can't say that I could pinpoint a specific thought or philosophy or way of life that I could, you know, it, maybe it's just very open-ended, but I just can't help but wondering if there's something that draws you back um, constantly to that. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting going out on the road and listening more, right? I mean, we'll have, uh, we had a, this really nice young couple come up to us in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, after, after one, of our, one of our shows, and I said, you know, it's just great to see a couple of young Christians out here spreading Jesus' message. <laughs> And I said, hey, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, and then actually we were in Seattle. It was like a month later. And uh, someone came up and said, um, you know, it's great to see these two, two guys out here spreading these Buddhist maxims. <laughs> I said, hey, thanks. <laughs> and then uh, uh, later that year, um, I got um, an email from someone who said, hey, did you guys know that Muhammad was the original minimalist? So I responded with, hey, thanks. <laughs> and, and what I've learned is that you know, minimalism overlays with uh, different spiritual beliefs. In fact, Ryan and I both have different uh, spiritual and, and religious beliefs. We have a lot of different beliefs in general. And, and so my, my short answer to you is, is going to be that um, no matter your, your belief template, no, here we go. Let me, let's, let's rewind that. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Um, uh, it has to do with beliefs and values. I mean, ultimately, I, I think that, that minimalism is a way for me to get... It's a vehicle I use to get to my values. And, and the beliefs are a path to those values. So, so um, no matter which road you take, minimalism will help you better understand your values. There we go. So Ryan, what about spirituality? How do you, how do you, 
How are you, you going to answer this short, in a short tweet? <laughs> no, I, uh, <clears throat> I think that, I mean, for some people, like, spirituality is, it's, it's really important for them. And it's what gets them, they'd have no other reason to live if it wasn't for that spirituality. I know other people who, they just don't have anything inside of them that, that switch, well, you know, that, that, or that switch flips. And I've met really awesome, awesome awesome religious people. And I met really, really awesome, awesome atheists. And I guess what I'll say is, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which prophet you follow or if you follow a prophet at all, living a simple life is the secret to a good life. Mm. So is this going on a, a self-actualization to religion to spirituality question? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just wasn't sure where the question was actually going. I think what we're all looking for is inner peace. Mm. Uh, yeah. Why do we go to church? Why do we meditate? Why do we talk about spirituality? Is because there's something we're seeking that we don't know the answer to or something inside of us that is stressed out or overwhelmed because we're so concerned, hurt, in pain, affected in some way. So we're all seeking inner peace and acknowledgement. And we want to know what we're doing matters. We want to know that we matter to the world or to the people around us. So for me, letting go of shit that doesn't matter allows us to have inner peace and matter. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Lewis Howes. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Woo. That was good, man. That was good. That was great. All right, real quick, let's move on to what we call our, our added value segment. Uh, th this is where, where Ryan and I usually talk about the things that are adding value to our lives recently. But uh, since we're on tour, we figured we'd do this with a little bit of local flair. Ryan, has there been anything in San Diego that has added value to your life today? Oh, man. Um, well, I went over, uh, Mariah and I, we went to... Nectar. Yeah, thank you. Nectar. Uh, we got a smoothie. It's a pretty good place. Um, I'll say that on the way here, we stopped in Encinitas. Am I yeah. saying that right? Yeah. And we stopped at uh, uh, Fish 101. <laughs> on, he goes there like every day. He's yeah. Like, <laughs> Unfucking believable. So oh, my God. So good. I mean, like, we were there, and they just... <laughs> Well, if we come from, you know, we're, we're in Montana, a state where they don't get fresh fish. <laughs> I mean, like. I mean, they do in the river. I, it's I call, trout. I call Missoula, yeah. I call Missoula, like, the, the city of almost. Like, we almost have a really, really good Thai place. We almost have a good sushi place. We almost have this great Indian place, but, like, it never actually hits a spot. But Fish 101, holy moly, if you haven't been, definitely go. Um, like, we walked in, and they got this huge sea bass that are just, like, cutting right in front of us, and my mouth, like, just instantly starts watering. And then there's, uh, there's a coffee shop just a couple miles down the road uh, called Lofty's. Yeah, Lofty. Lofty, yeah. So go, yeah, go, go to Lofty. Like, they've got, um, yeah, they do a great pour over. And you know Josh and I, well, some of you probably know how Josh and I are, like, really, you know, big coffee snobs. And, uh, yeah, Lofty is, it totally meets our standards. Indeed. So go to Fish 101, and then afterward, you go to Lofty to uh, get a good cup of coffee. Lewis, what about you? Anything add value to your life today in, in San Hopefully, Diego? Uh, <laughs> where's the place we went? What was it? <laughs> Soul Cow? Soul Cow is like a healthy smoothie place. Okay. And, uh, well... It said Bulletproof Coffee on Yelp, uh -huh. but then when I went to go to Bulletproof Coffee, it wasn't Bulletproof Coffee. It was like a mixture of all these things that would have been incredible, but I waited about 20 minutes, and it started coagulating to the top. And so when I started to drink it, it was like hard. <laughs> but Jen, my girlfriend, said it was incredible, and it added value to her life because she was drinking it right away while I was trying to figure out my Instagram posts. Uh, yes. <laughs> nice. Well, I wanted, uh, uh, I wanted to acknowledge... Uh, Rayleigh Nicole, who opened up the, uh, the show today. Yeah.
And so my, my partner Rebecca and I are, are big Rayleigh Nicole fans. In fact, we'll like, occasionally, sometimes we'll, we'll like, there's a, a cabin that we'll rent out in the middle of nowhere. It's like on the top of a mountain in the middle of Montana. And uh, like, you can't get there without a four wheel drive vehicle in the winter kind of thing. And um, we'll like go out there for a, a long weekend and we'll just put Rayleigh's album on, on repeat. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's good make out music. <laughs> And uh, so um, I, I know when, when Rayleigh and I first started communicating, she said, hey, there's a song I think will, it'll really resonate with you and, and, and your message. And it's called uh, Out Loud Unapologetically. And uh, I was going to ask her, since she is, I mean, we're doing a, a local flair of added value, and I've gotten a ton of value out of, out of Rayleigh's music, which, by the way, if you uh, follow her on Instagram, she does a lot of really great, like, minute-long covers, and, uh, and they're gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're great. So it's just at Rayleigh Nicole, and I think uh, you'll, you'll stay afterward. you got some CDs and stuff over there as well. Yeah. So she's got a great album called Answers, and I encourage everyone to check it out, either the physical copy or wherever you get digital music these days, and uh, hopefully she'll play a quick song for us. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. So this is Out Loud Unapologetically. <clears throat> Stuck in my mind again behind the prison of my point of view Ran out of time again, but somehow I think I always knew I would And I think I'm starting to see this life won't wait for me Tomorrow's no guarantee So starting now I'm gonna live out loud unapologetically I found success again Impressed my family And my friends too So I come home late again, wait patient for the day my dreams come true. And I think I'm starting to see this life won't wait for me. Tomorrow's no guarantee. So starting now, I'm gonna live out loud unapologetically. It's not all that I thought it would be I gotta get it back to me So starting now I'm gonna live out loud unapologetically Back to the grind again I swear my life will begin soon Thank you. Yes. Rayleigh Nicole, ladies and gentlemen. Man, I, I heard the line about working overtime on her birthday, and I'm like, hey, can you please come open up for us? So, I'd say Rayleigh is the real deal, and I'm just really, really grateful. Like, she, you'll, you'll be seeing a lot, a lot, a lot more from her, and I'm grateful you decided to be here tonight. Thank you so much.
All right, real quick, let's move on to right here, right now. This is where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. We are in the middle of a 40-city tour. It's called the Less Is Now Tour. That's where we are right now. But if you're listening to this at home, you can find all the dates, cities, theaters, all that fun stuff. Lessisnow.com. Also, we're in the middle of, of building a podcast studio and, a, and a, a film studio as well and we refuse to clutter our podcast with advertisements so we could use some help from you all um, we started something called patreon it's uh, where you can donate on a per episode basis just like a buck or two if you're willing to help us do that none of the money goes to me or ryan it just goes to help us pay podcast sean a full-time living wage but also hire a, a full-time uh filmmaker as well so we can do a lot more video work we really want to do a lot more and on the video side of things and uh, we could use your help with that so if you want to head over to theminimalists.com and click on a little donate button up top if you if you can afford it great if not you can always leave us a, a review as well if you'd like uh, we got anything else going on these days man no, we, we, we keep it pretty simple. Nice. <laughs> well, I, I want to encourage you to, uh, to check out uh, Lewis's podcast, and obviously uh, it's called The School of Greatness, and uh, I obviously want you to check out his new book as well uh, as soon as it comes out in October. It's called The Mask of Masculinity. Lewis, thank you for being here tonight. Let me get one more Thanks, hug, guys. brother. Yeah, Appreciate dude. Thanks a lot, man. And you can come get one of those hugs afterward as well. Uh, Ryan and I are going to take about a 20-minute break, and then we'll, we'll head over there. We'll, we'll dish out some hugs. They are optional, by the way. They're also free and transferable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can, uh, you can grab one of those. And um, I just want to thank a few people before, before we head out. First off, I want to thank uh, the House of Blues for having us here tonight. Yeah. And most important, I want to thank you. I know it costs you some money to get in here tonight, and we appreciate that. It allows us to, to pay all the folks that we need to pay and pay for all the travel. And we used to do these events in coffee shops, and they were free. But if we showed up at Lofty with 600 people, I think they'd be pissed at us. And so instead, we're, we're here. But you gave up more than your money. You gave up your two most precious resources, your time and your attention. And we're really grateful for that. And so if you leave here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks, y'all. All right, y'all. Sorry for the quick interruption. But if you want to listen to our bonus episode this week, as well as all of our past bonus episodes, well, you can. Each week, we publish The Minimalist's private podcast, and it's exclusively for our Patreon supporters. And this private podcast shows up in your normal podcast feed, like Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Google Play, or whatever you're listening to right now. However you're listening to this podcast, that podcast app, you can get our private podcast on that same podcast app. And it shows up right next to our normal weekly podcast, you know, the podcast that you're listening to right now. And, and I'll tell you what, our answers on those private podcasts, they're often far more intimate because only a small group of supporters have access to listening to those episodes. So it allows us to let our hair down a little bit. Well, Ryan lets his hair down. Mine just gets you know, a little bit taller, I guess. <laughs> anyway, being a Patreon supporter also gets you first access to all the best tickets to all of our live events, as well as access to our monthly private live stream, which is called Ask the Minimalists Anything, in which our Patreon supporters get to, well, ask the minimalists anything live on video. So if you want to support The Minimalist Podcast and receive all the associated bonus creations, head on over to theminimalists.com and click the donate button at the top of the page. On that page, you'll find links to support us on, on Patreon, on a per episode basis, and that will allow you to receive all of those Patreon exclusives. Or you can also contribute just one time via PayPal or Venmo. You'll see the links there on that same donate page at theminimalists.com. Now, let me be clear. I think it's worth noting that none of this money goes to me and none of it goes to Ryan. Instead, we're using your contributions to build a new podcast and film studio in Los Angeles. And that's going to allow us to create more meaningful audio and video creations for the entire world. 
If you already support this podcast, I just want to say thank you. I know that $2 may not sound like a lot of money. It's, I mean, it's less than a cup of coffee in, in most cities, but your support, but it is your support that keeps this podcast 100% advertisement free because advertisements suck. Thanks to your listenership, we have one of the largest podcasts in the world. And if we can just get 2% of our audience to support this show, then we'll have enough funds to produce some amazing new creations for years to come. Your support is truly appreciated. All right, y'all, back to the regular show. Hello, this is Cece from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I just want to quickly recommend something that's added a lot of value to my life for a while. Um, it's a website called unroll.me, U-N-R-O-L-L dot M-E, and you just enter your email address and it pulls up every single email list you're subscribed to and then you can easily look at the list and just click unsubscribe um, from all these email lists. It's a lot easier than scrolling to the bottom of an email and finding the unsubscribe button. So, yeah, that's helped me a lot lately. Hi, this is Cindy Clough from uh, Sharpsburg, Georgia, just south of Atlanta. Um, but my message is an encouragement to Cammy from the Small Stuff podcast recorded in Spokane. Cammy mentioned that she had a paper issue, in fact, a four-drawer filing cabinet full of sentimental paper. I can identify with her predicament because I had the same problem a few years ago. I had a four-drawer file cabinet full of memory papers, travel articles pulled from magazines, warranties, and other such pieces of paper. The impetus that drove me to go through that filing cabinet was a need for better space to store our backpacking equipment. Our equipment was scattered through our home, and we knew it would make it simpler to get out on the trail if everything was just in one spot so we could organize and pack quickly. I decided that I'd rather have the space to pack easily than to have drawerfuls of these articles on places we wanted to visit. To facilitate this change, I realized that the computer would be my friend, I scanned some papers, I typed into Google Docs some of the information, I looked up all the travel destinations, inns, tours, gear, and other travel information, and then used Digo to save the web pages that would be pertinent. In this part, I realized that some of the inns, tours, and information were not even in business or they had moved. Certainly, the prices and details had changed. Now, I have all the current updated information at my fingertips. It took me almost a year to finish the project, but eventually I was able to get rid of all the paper and then the filing cabinet itself. And yes, we do get out on the trail more and travel to all those places for which I've been filing information. I had to go file by file. In fact, I watched TV while I did some of this. I celebrated after each drawer, and it was a small celebration just to take out a few files to the garage and either shred or recycle the paper. I encourage Cammy to just begin the project. Cammy, you're going to feel so much lighter once it's all done. Set your timer for 15 minutes or one television show. Get as much done as you can during that time and then stop if you're tired or continue on if you're on a roll. Do not give up. Remember, it'll be a one-time job. After going through all that paper, I can assure you, you will not want to save any other pieces of paper. I wish you success and better use of your space. Hi, this is Jamie from Cincinnati. I just gave my parents their Christmas gift, and while it is full of inside jokes, I thought I might read it on the chance it might give one of your listeners an idea as we approach the season of giving. So here we go. Merry Christmas. You have just received a Monday footnote redeemable only on a Monday, as that is the only day I have childcare other than you. I know you don't really need any more stuff this Christmas, so instead I will take a vacation day to help you do whatever you want. Need the grass cut? I'll cut it. Leaves raked and bag. Need heavy stuff moved or someone to stand on a ladder to paint? Want the old time machine dusted? I'm your girl. Need a haircut or toenails clipped? Footnote, does not include maintenance of the dead toe? Put it on the list. Want to get an early start on Christmas lights or need an extra minivan to haul stuff away? Computer help? Photo help? Someone to drive you to bowling, the gym, or help run other errands? Want me to watch Lifetime movies with you while shredding tons of old bills? Count me in. Bring on the job list. This gift also includes dinner with me at a restaurant of your choice, and you don't even have to bring your own coupon or choose from the two-for-one menu. Approximate value of total package, $1 million U.S. dollars. So while I do help my parents on a regular basis, but with small children, the gift of this much dedicated time is truly a gift to them. 
I know my mom is already busy thinking of tasks for me, and my dad is happy that a few things might actually move from his list to mine. They really don't need any more things, and we're happy to receive my notes. So I'm thinking I may have actually started a new tradition. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for, and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. So take your eyes away, or take. 